0: It's that time of the week It's Doggy Pond
1: hello listeners and welcome back to the doggy pod I'm dr. Rob Zamet with my friend and producer Stephen Peters
0: and hello from me today we are going to talk about the special bond that dogs have with each other in particular do dogs recognize their long-lost siblings
1: yeah, there you are my brother and while we're giving all soft and squishy do dogs know your innermost thoughts your moods if so how and we're going to talk doggy
0: doors. The pros and cons. Have you got a doggy door at home? Um, Rob, have you heard any horror stories? But we'll get to that mm. in a moment. Yeah, probably. Anyway, let's kick it off, as we always do, with uh, what's been happening in the clinic this week. Oh, I had an unusual
1: case. It was an English bulldog, a young English bulldog. Um, you don't see a lot of English bulldogs around, do you? Or not? Mm, oh, we do in this practice, but yeah, I guess not as much. French bulldogs have taken yeah. over the French. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but this English bulldog had a high white blood, blood cell count, and I thought, oh, that's a bit unusual. And he'd come in before we had occasion to take blood, and also a high white blood cell count. Then I'm thinking, ooh, but why, why did you? Why were you taking blood? Was there well, a symptom? It, the owners were worried about infection because he had a bit of a discharge from his nose and things, and so we thought maybe, maybe. But the X-rays were pretty clear. Um, he'd had a cough when he was much younger, but this was a bit different. And I thought, oh gosh, so we sent it off for what's called flow cytometry. And they saw there were with cells called B cells. Uh, and we were thinking of a chronic, uh, type of leukemia, a chronic lymphocytic leukemia mm. and young dog. And so I started doing some research, which I believe that in bulldogs, uh, there's a paper now written that. It may not be leukemia. If they come from different, what's called cell lines, then these white cells are just. Uh, and and the article says specific to English bulldogs. It's just they have these high white cell counts, not infection, not leukemia, right. and they don't know if it's going to hurt the dog's health in the future. They're still studying the but study, but just English bulldogs. English bulldogs. No other breed. They've looked for that. The study looked for uh, this type of thing in quite a lot of dogs, yeah, you know, thousands of dogs that they've gone back and done retrospective studies on and cannot find in others, but found it continually popping up in English Bulldogs. So it could be that this dog has this peculiarity to the, to the breed. And it reminds me, of course, that there are so many unusual breed variations that have evolved. These genetic mutations have evolved in different breeds and each breed has its own specific things that you've got to be a bit, a little bit careful of and do a little bit of research when you decide I'm going to buy an English Bulldog or I want to buy a Lassie dog, for example. No big deal. Yeah. Mm. But if you give a Collie rough, which is Lassie, uh, a drug called Ivermectin, you can bring on seizures and they can die. So you've got to be careful. Wow. Okay. Um, with Australian Shepherds, an American breed called the Australian Shepherd, don't ask me about that, yeah, you know, the same deal. They can certainly be sensitive to ivermectin. They can be also sensitive to some of the other tick uh, products that are on the market. So each breed involves its own unique set of issues that you should learn about if you decide to buy a specific breed of dog, whatever it is. Uh, you know, French Bulldogs and Bulldogs also have respiratory issues that may need some surgery in the future. You should know that before you buy your dog. So what happened to the English bulldog? Well, at the moment, he's happy. No-one's told him he's sick, so I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. And I don't think he is, Stephen. I think this could be... It's going to be um, interesting to see because I've shot an email to, to the States to see how they can uh, tell which line of uh, cells all these high white cells come from, and we'll probably send some blood over there to these researchers because they'd be interested in following it through as well. With this case, it adds to their research work and we'll f- and, uh, see if it's different cell lines. It's just this unusual uh, aberration in, in the curve. It's a real mm. unusual hiccup, if you like, uh, but it's not going to f- affect the dog's health, they don't believe. Just out of interest, what was the English bulldog's name? <clears throat> what else? Winston. <laughs> no surprises now, there. Now, just while we're talking about things about different breeds, mm. uh, I did promise and I did the research how did the name Boxer come about? The Boxer yeah, Dog. Yeah, we talked about this a few episodes <clears throat> yep, ago. Yep, and yeah. uh, how did the Boxer get his name, of course? There's lots of different stories mm. about it. The common story is, oh, they like to be up on their back legs and almost spar with their front legs, if you like. Oh, Do they? Well, yeah, I don't see that much. They'll, they'll lead with their front legs sometimes in play, but... Um, and I guess if you call that sparring, then they're boxers. Then there's another one that comes from their German origins, uh, which is the Bierboxer, Steinen, whatever it is. Your German's and, never yeah, been good, Rob. No, and that's it. And that's how the boxer got its name because the person who was naming it, his German wasn't good and so he just said boxer. Right. So,
0: so basically we're, we're none the wiser. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. <laughs> So, Rob, I heard a story recently about two dogs who were from the same litter mm-hmm. who reconnected, I think it was 10 or 12 years later, um, bumped into each other and it turns out they were from the same litter and the, the two owners didn't know it uh, and they worked it out. And it was because the two dogs were acting like best friends, as, as if they'd known each other for years and they were actually siblings. Now, have you heard of anything like that or is that just a bizarre coincidence?
1: No, it does occur. I mean, it's they don't recognise each other's sight, by sight. No, they, I wouldn't have thought so. They recognise each other by smell. But here's the thing, they really need to be together between four to six months. So, if For, it, for that to be sort that of to, embedded to recur, in occur, It would be unusual for them to recognise it if it was, say, just I was there for six to eight weeks and then taken away. Mm. That would be very unusual. But it's more six to eight months. That, uh, sorry. Sorry. Um, four to six months, from 16 weeks to six months, if they're together that time, that usually is imprinting enough on the dog's memory banks and that smell, that dog will carry it. And it's no big deal. It's just put hidden away like we put things in our memory Mm. banks. Dogs have a long memory bank with smells and uh, he would have come across that. So it can happen. there's sibling recognition occurs, however, more in certain breeds than other breeds. For example, that's interesting. Yeah, well, some breeds forget sibling recognition very quickly. (laughs) Uh, Basenjis, absolutely, because it was studied. It was done with sibling recognition in Basenjis, Akita's, Rottweilers. No way, they don't give a damn where you came from. (laughs) I don't care who you're related to. They will often fight. They will often fight when they see each other. Um, So, breed is a very important thing. And the breeds that tend to recognise each other more, the the two breeds that were up there were Beagles and Cocker spaniels, English Cocker spaniels. Those two breeds tend to be higher with uh, recognition. Fox Terriers, uh, when left together, don't fight unless there's a bone. If there's a bone, Fox Terriers were the worst at fighting uh, than any other, as sibling rivalry turned out. But um, they would get on quite happily uh, together without any problems, um, it's a bit of uh, like the, the work that was done back in the 1930s by that famous behaviourist, uh, uh, Conrad Lorenz. Conrad Lorenz was an Austrian who won the Nobel Prize for his work. He did a lot of um, imprinting with uh, birds. He, what he found was when the bird hatches, the first thing it sees mm. becomes its parent. Mm. So if it sees your face... You're the parent. Mm. He, in fact, he did that with some geese and then he had to teach them to fly away south for the winter because he was in the northern hemisphere and he was literally going across the, the lake flapping his wings. And uh, there was an, another guy in Russia who had to do hang gliding to get his yeah, birds to fly away. Yeah, I've seen that Yeah. yeah it's so amazing. it does have that imprinting is, is very important. The imprinting does occur with canines, of, co- of course. Uh, it's important with canines because, you know, For example, is a dog just born automatically a dog in behaviorally? No. They have to learn a lot of it. They learn with this imprinting in the first few weeks with their litter mates. So that imprinting is important with their litter mates from three to seven weeks. They learn how to be a dog. And sometimes when you get a dog that's the only pup in the litter, because not all litters are two or three or six puppies, it can be just one pup Mm. when you get that, uh, it's very difficult for that dog when it comes in contact with other dogs because it doesn't know how to behave. It's never had play behaviour, it's never learnt social structures and often gets into fights. So if you've got a dog from that sort of thing, you've got to train them and, and socialise them. But the dog-to-dog imprinting is in the first, more of the first three to seven weeks. The first three weeks, they often you know, they can't see, they're born with um, smell and taste and uh, no hearing and that comes a bit later on. The important part for humans, the dog-human one, is seven to, t- to 12 weeks. That's a really important time for dogs to imprint and socialise. With, with
0: their owners, you mean?
1: With, well, with anyone, with humans. Mm. Um, I, I tend not to believe that. I think imprinting with humans starts from a very young age, at least when I <clears throat> ever have a puppy, a litter of puppies, I will start stroking them and letting them smell me from birth. And we have seen that with horses. People that have horses, foals—they will get in straight away when, when the foal's born and just gently rub it all over, towel it down, let it get the smell, and let the young foal understand the humans aren't bad. And they find that those horses become much better mm. socially with humans as they grow older. Same with dogs—they find the dogs where they've had some human interaction as youngsters from birth onwards make much better family pets. I think it's a very important thing to do. Research says seven to 12 weeks. I say from birth to 12 weeks is a really important time to start training your dog uh, as a puppy to socialise with human smells and understand the human canine bond from the start. Do you hear very often that people have uh, dogs and they actually have
0: a brother and a sister or or two sisters or two brothers, yep. and and keep them
1: their whole lives together? Oh, yeah. The research on that, and there's papers written on that research, shows that if it's a brother and a sister, they're more likely to get on. Two brothers, certain breeds, like we said, the Basinjis, the Akitas, forget it, Rottweilers, they'll all fight as they get older and, and the fighting can get so worse. So being,
0: being related doesn't make doesn't any Doesn't make any whatsoever. difference.
1: But, yeah, it's important to, to understand that certain breeds are better than others in that sibling bond if you want to buy two but if you buy two puppies and this has been said over and over again by all researchers and i've certainly noticed it and said it myself if you buy two puppies at the same time whether they're siblings or not you need to make sure they spend some time apart otherwise they'll form that canine pack which is great it's natural sure but if one gets sick and has to go to the vet the other one will pine the one that's at the vet will be missing its friend it won't get better in a hurry because it's feeling down Mm. psychologically as well. Always keep them, use some time apart, some walking time apart, crates as well, crate training with two different crates, some time apart in crates. Ensure that they can live independently as well as enjoy each other's time together. We often see people wanting to buy two because, oh, well, I mightn't be there all the time for my dog and I don't want him to be lonely. If, you, if you're really going to be away mm. that long, maybe you should wonder whether you should have a dog at all. Mm. But <clears throat> the truth is if you buy two, that's fine, but do spend some time separating them on different walks. So you may have to walk twice as long one one way and don't walk the same way if you come home and then take the other one for a walk. Walk a different way. Otherwise, it's the same as walking the two together because the, the second dog can smell exactly where the other dog has been. Gee. No wonder they've got such big noses. Hello.
0: Okay. Um, I think we all think that dogs can read our minds. That mm-hmm. They seem to know when it's time to give us a bit of a hug or show some sympathy or try to connect with us or, in this case... Uh, can hear that that's uh that's molly who's uh (laughs) who's my dog in the studio here today for some reason uh trying to show some sympathy i think anyway do dogs do that do they actually read our minds can they predict our moods and you know react accordingly and try to make us feel better
1: research has been done to show that dogs recognize our moods by our faces you yeah, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're oh. angry or anything like that. They your dog can read your face better than you think you can. So yeah. if you smile at your dog... They'll know that. They'll understand you yeah. straight away and they'll understand the smile, they'll understand your angry face. The big lesson there is never, ever play poker with your dog. They know when you're bluffing. Yeah. So they are just way ahead of us. And yeah, we know too... Like, they'll come up and try and snuggle you if you're sad if you're upset if you're worried if you're angry at them they you know, ears mm. go back and they they straight away go down a little bit and they but how,
0: do, how do they how do they know that you're
1: upset or you might you know be stressed or
0: whatever and how, Got,
1: how do they do that a couple of things there's certainly the look on your face that your facial expressions change whether you want to Believe that or not, mm. just tiny little things, and it doesn't have to be a major, big smile if you're happy, or um, showing your teeth if you're angry. They can just see the little innuendos in your face, the way you stand. They know straight away if you're sad, if you, you know, slump down with your shoulders. Wow! And, you know, they see those sort of things. They see the way your hands are. You know, they slump down, you know, between your legs if you're sitting down. Just. Hands together. Oh, are you up and happy and you know, being an Italian, moving hands all all round the yes. place because you're so happy. Those sort of things. Dogs pick up on those things quicker than we do. And of course, you, you exude different smells. You know they certainly know when you when you're scared because they can they can smell the adrenaline all of a sudden. And you're in that fight or fear. Reflex that you have, even though you mightn't realise it, we all have the the, the flight or fight reflex, mm. and it re- releases adrenaline. They can smell that. Why see, I didn't know whether
0: that was a myth or not. <coughs> the dogs can sense that you're scared of them. So if you're walking down the road and you see a
1: fierce-looking dog walking towards you, they yeah, they know, they, they know if, if you're scared of them. Just the way you act, the way you smell, all those things. And same with your own dog. If you're scared of something, your dog's going, "What's wrong?" Straight away, your dog is on the defence. Hmm. So that's, that's really an important thing to know about your dogs. They know danger. They know what's happening because of the way you're acting, not because they necessarily see the danger, though they do often pick those sort of things out as well. Um, they can. Dogs have a much higher power of reasoning than scientists gave credit to in the past. Now, in fact, scientists will say, no, dogs can't reason. Most scientists will say that. I wouldn't have thought they could reason and yet and yet how do they know to pull a child back away from a swimming pool mm. where's what's that if that's not reasoning which has happened oh many times over how do they know that how do they know the child that's drowning is drowning you know, it's just splashing around mm. uh, but they go in after it uh, how do they know to pull a child back away from a road for goodness sakes you know uh, they they and yet they do they do these sort of things and sure, fire's bad, so I'm going to get out. No, I'm going to stay here because I'm reasoning. If, I, if my owners stay here, they're going to be in trouble too. So I'm going to defend them. I'm going to bark and let them know there's a fire in the house. Many dogs have done that. And so they do have this ability to reason. Wow. Uh, and they can certainly seem to reason, no, this person's not going to um, come near us because I don't like this person because I think this person is dangerous. Or, no, this person's okay. I don't mind them coming and saying hello to us. That's fine. They... People say they don't reason. They don't have the ability to reason. I hear that all the time by scientists. And, yeah, they see dogs. And, yeah, you see them in um, my little Albert. Like if I'm going to go walking down one way, oh, no, that, that's blocked. So he'll go run around the other way to get to me. Mm. Straight away he reasons it out. It's uh, that's you can true. You say, well, it's true. a maze. Mm. Maybe it's a maze that he's doing before, but he knows, he reasons it out. I think Albert is pretty smart for a pug. (laughs) He sure is. Don't tell him he's just a pug. (laughs) Just a pug, (laughs) eh? Okay, I'll show you.
0: (laughs) Now, personally, I can't imagine life around the house without our doggy door. I think it's one of life's... great inventions but what do you do mm. what do you need to consider if you're about to buy one um, are there any dangers and you know what are the differences between some of the doggy doors out there
1: oh some of the doggy doors boy do they go back a fair way do you how far back doggy doors or pet doors go well i i wouldn't have thought a lot no ancient egypt that's all oh is that all how did they have a doggy door in a in a pyramid well, you have a little hole that the cat or the dog can scoot in and out of. Though they're not really credited so much as the doggy door inventors. Guess who is? You know, you won't guess why. ask no, you I that rhetorical no. question. Yes, exactly. You heard of a guy called Sir Isaac Newton? I have heard of him. He invented the doggy door, they say. He Who, who the... says
0: that? Somebody said it. Yeah, that's but, what but, they but say. But, he based had, on had one.
1: He made, well, he made one for his dog. And. Right. Uh, and he, he actually had a little flap on it so it could go in and out. So doggy dogs have been around for a long, long time. Uh, their advantages are that, <clears throat> well, once your dog is properly potty trained or toilet trained, he can go out and do his own little business. Hmm. Come and go as yep, he pleases. That's the big one. And, of course, he has the freedom of outside. When you're not home, he can go in and out of the house. It gives them access to the house so they can go inside and bark if someone's prowling around the outside of the house and let people know that they're there. Lots of advantages. They can get away from danger that might be in the yard or they can just go into the yard and enjoy themselves. That's that's the good things about doggy doors. And uh, recently there's been a few problems. Of course, one of the issues has has been excessive barking because they can race outside if there's someone at the front fence or the back fence, wherever they're racing to, Mm. and bark at those people while you're not home. That can cause a bit of an issue, and which gives a lot of problems because jumping can happen, oh, there's a doggy door there, that can become a security risk, or there can become other critters can come inside through doggy doors, mm, mm. Uh, not the least of which you know, rats and mice and snakes and all sorts <laughs> of other critters have been known to access doggy doors. One of the ways to prevent that has been the electronic doggy door. The smart door.
0: Oh, I haven't seen one of those. What is that?
1: Well, you you put a collar on your dog that has a little electronic device and as your dog goes up to the door, the door opens and only opens when your dog goes up to the door. And so your dog goes through and goes in and out that way. If anyone else tries to do it, it's pretty well tight, It's shut. It's an electronic door. So electronic doggy doors have been quite a reasonable way of, of avoiding some of that problem. The other thing is... People think, oh, I've got a doggy door. good, I don't have to potty train my dog. Wrong. You know, Your dog's not going to be go out of the, the door just because he hasn't been trained. Mm. He has to be taught two things. One, that when you do need to go to potty, you do it outside on the grass. That's the first thing. You've got to train them. Still house train your dog. That's important. The other thing you've got to do is train them to use the door. You, know, you can't expect, oh, I've got the door up mm. and the dog's mm. not going through. If your dog doesn't know about the door or how to use the door It can become a problem So you've got to be on one side of the door The dog on the other side of the door And hold the door open for them And use a treat or some encouragement That's what praise. I did, yeah Yeah, come on dog, come on And through, they go in and out, in and out So they until they use it Then you start with the door Maybe just coming down a little bit At first it's a bit frightening Because they're, you know, they're going through these doors And, and uh, it rubs along their back Or on mm. their side Depending on which way the door is and so they're a little bit concerned about this strange feeling, and also one of the things I have had with a doggy door, make sure there are no loose screws, because mm. I've seen dogs. We've had to stitch up dogs that have torn themselves because of a loose screw on the doggy door. Comes halfway down, dog goes through, races through fast, and mm. boom, there's a big, big slash inside along the top of the dog. I've had that twice, so make sure that the doggy door. Get some maintenance and is always in good condition.
0: Of course, people with big dogs can't really have doggy doors, can they? Well,
1: that's where the electronic door probably was made for the big dog. Mm. Yeah, you can have... um,
0: Because it would be easy for a smallish person to squeeze through a big doggy door. Yeah,
1: and find the Rottweiler on the other side. (laughs) I think I've made a mistake. (laughs) That's true. I mean,
0: yeah, you'd be game crawling through a big doggy door knowing there's a big dog. Yeah, but
1: they most certainly have been utilised for that sort of thing quite a lot of times where people people that shouldn't be on your property uh, uh, get through the doggy door or can you know, put things in to unlock windows through your doggy door, all those yeah, sort of things yeah. have happened. It's happened in the past. So, uh, and you'd be surprised the lengths that horrible people can go to to get to your property inside the house. The other thing, of course, with the doggy door, make sure everything is pretty secure and your dog's well-trained inside because, mm, yeah, well, we found uh, an iPad a fairly new iPad out in the backyard and other things, the dog likes to take things out. Oh, and right. And, okay. and bring things in. You now, lizards and other things, they like to bring right. them inside the house for you to inspect with the piece what I found outside. Big red, red belly black snake. <laughs> so, that sort of
0: access, yeah, it does have its downside.
1: Yeah. Hmm. But generally, I think they're a pretty good thing for most dogs.
0: All right, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Doggy Pod. We really appreciate it. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're always posting interesting stuff there as well. And, of course, before we go, Dr Rob has
1: a few parting words. As Lord Byron, the very famous poet, Lord Byron, said, The dog, in life the firmest friend, the first to welcome, the foremost to defend. See you next week, folks. Who said that? Lord Byron. He's a great poet. Right, okay. Mm -hmm.